Oh my goodness. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 281. Hope you're doing well. I want to say two things happened in the sports world just now that I didn't expect. Uh, Number one, the LA Clippers lost in game seven to the Denver Nuggets. I got to be honest, man. I did not expect the LA Clippers to lose before reaching the Western Conference Finals. I thought they were going to go to the NBA Finals, period. So, uh, shocker there to me. Excited to watch the Western Conference Finals in the NBA. Uh, Another big story came out. The Big Ten is back. The Big Ten is returning to football. I don't have a lot to say about this yet tonight. I'm going to talk to a couple sources, get on the phone, hear what they have to say. A couple players in the Big Ten are going to talk to me privately. Uh, I want to say, number one, I'm excited to watch... Justin Fields, the Ohio State quarterback. That's the big thing to me. I go, yes, the Big Ten is back, meaning we get to watch Justin Fields. Uh, it is also interesting that the Pac-12 doesn't have football happening, and that's they're the only conference now that's not going to have football. By the way, the return date for the Big Ten is October 24th. Interesting stuff. I'll dive into that more tomorrow. Uh, for now, I'm going to let it marinate, let some some more information come out, sit on it, wait till there's more information, then really dive in and react. A lot of people just react without thinking. I don't want to be that guy. Um, I watch now almost every single game from week one of the NFL season. I watch the three games I haven't watched yet uh, are the Seahawks-Falcons game, the Bills-Jets game, and the Raiders-Panthers game. After recording this game, I'm going to watch the Raiders game because I want to see how Derek Carr and John Gruden and the Raiders did against Carolina and Matt Rule's new team. Uh, I'm probably not going to cover the Seahawks-Falcons game. I'll say in my talks behind the scenes with Brett Coleman, Seattle was awesome. They really, he keeps saying, you know, let Russ cook. That's kind of his mantra. Let Russell Wilson do his thing. They pulled back the reins in the running game, said, Russell Wilson, do your thing. He threw the ball all over the yard. It was like 31 for 35 passing. It's pretty ridiculous. I think personally, look, I've watched... 13 of 16 NFL games this weekend. That's 13 games in a little over two days. Uh, I, I'm i probably not going to get to all 16 games. I'm going to let Brett Coleman do his thing. He'll cover the Seahawks game. I cannot recommend enough going to watch the video he's going to make on Russell Wilson. I know it's going to be phenomenal. I'm excited to watch it. I'm a big fan of Brett, shamelessly. Like, I don't care anymore. He's, he's just awesome. I, I, we work together. It's fun. Uh, so I can't recommend that enough. I'm curious if I can get to the Jets game. I want to know how Sam Darnold did. I want to know how Josh Allen did. So far, I'm not going to... We'll see how time works out. Uh, But today, we're going to talk about Mitchell Trubisky. We're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers. We're going to talk about, oh my gosh, the Cleveland Browns. That mess of a whole deal going on in Cleveland. Also, at the end of the show, I have a conversation with Tom Grassi from the PatCast. That's going to be really fun. A lot of good stuff ahead. I want to start today with the Green Bay Packers. On Sunday, the Packers beat the Minnesota Vikings 43-34. to And for me, the highlight of the game was Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Oh my goodness, what a blast. He had four touchdown passes. He was 32 for 44 passing, had 364 yards. And for me, this was the game I have been waiting for, for a while from Aaron Rodgers. Go watch my prediction video for the Green Bay Packers for last year, for the 2019 season, literally going into last year. Going into the year last year, I was so excited to watch Aaron Rodgers play in Matt LaFleur's offense. I was like, finally, Matt LaFleur, 
It's got a great offense. We're going to give Aaron Rodgers a bunch of good game plans and good schemes. So excited to watch it. And it just didn't we never saw it last year. I, I never saw a moment where I'm like, this is the breakout game. I thought, honestly, that Aaron Rodgers was going to be an MVP candidate last year. And after one game, it's just one game, we'll see if it continues. I think it will next week against the Detroit Lions. Aaron Rodgers looks like, oh, this is the guy that I thought he was going to be last year. He's, he lo- appears to be maybe an MVP candidate caliber quarterback. Again, it's one game. I think it's going to continue into next week as well. He moved really well on Sunday. He had that long, awesome touchdown where he stepped up in the pocket, threw the ball into the right corner, like right in the end zone. It was a, you know, uh, uh, what am I saying? Devontae Adams said that he dragged his toes for a touchdown right along the sideline. Beautiful, beautiful pass. So that's when I kind of looked at it and that went, oh, Aaron Rodgers came to play. It was a big, like a difference. We, I feel like we didn't see that enough last year. Marquez Valdez scanting. Had a long 45-yard touchdown before halftime where he he beat a cover four corner down the sideline. A guy who's playing off in soft coverage. That shouldn't happen. A lot of speed was shown by Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He was great. It was a perfect throw down the sideline as well. I am very, very confident in the Green Bay Packers. I think their biggest challenge in the division is probably going to be Minnesota. And it appeared yesterday Minnesota is not up to the task to play the Green Bay Packers. I think they're going to be... I see the Packers winning the division. I felt that way all along. I'm very confident in them. Their defense looks great. They ran the ball really well. They had 158 yards. The Packers did. The Packers had 158 yards rushing. And then let's be honest about the Vikings. They got rid of their receiver, Stephon Diggs. They traded him away to the Buffalo Bills. And the theory was we're going to replace Stephon Diggs with a rookie receiver, Justin Jefferson. I think Justin Jefferson's going to pan out. He's a rookie from LSU. But the honest reality is that yesterday, or I guess it's Sunday, I keep wanting to say yesterday, the reality is that on Sunday we saw it's going to take a while for the rookie receiver Justin Jefferson to really fill the void that was left behind by Stephon Diggs. So the Packers are very impressive. Good for Aaron Rodgers. That was awesome. I root for him. I love him. And um, I see the Packers so far, one game. They're pretty dominant. I think they're going to win the division. I feel very confident about my prediction I made there. And uh, I'm excited. I think, I hope, if we get Rodgers having a good year, it could be Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, and Patrick Mahomes. That's going to be a fun MVP race if all five of those guys stay healthy and play really, really well at a high level. Maybe Big Ben is in that conversation. I don't know. Uh, But I'm just so excited to watch this year. And Aaron Rodgers, man, already having a dominant one game that looks really, really dominant after one game of the NFL season. Let's talk about the Bears. Mitchell Trubisky is a guy that I just keep getting message after message. So let's dive in. The Chicago Bears beat the Detroit Lions on Sunday, 27-23. to Again, I keep getting messages. A ton of Bears fans keep asking me about their quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky. And let's talk about him. So going into the fourth quarter, the Bears were actually losing 23-6. to They were down in the game. And then Mitchell Trubisky led them on three touchdown drives. He had it was really a fourth quarter comeback. And the big question is, I think people are asking the wrong question. Are people like, oh, is Mitchell Trubisky good? I think, no, the question is, is Mitchell Trubisky showing promise? And yes, he is showing promise. I don't know how you don't watch that game and feel a sense of hope 
and a sense of a sense of encouragement. If you're a Bears fan, you watched on Sunday against the Lions and went, "Oh, thank the Lord!" You feel encouraged because Trubisky, to his credit, in the fourth quarter was awesome. He had a good fourth quarter. That's the right time to show up. But I'm also very, very skeptical of Mitchell Trubisky moving forward. We need to talk about the rest of the game. The fourth quarter was great, but in the second quarter, he had an interception that was dropped. Uh, later, he missed a throw in the end zone that should have been a touchdown. Uh, even in the fourth quarter, like, first of all, leading up to the fourth quarter, there was a throw. He, he struggled to throw even a bubble. Like, you're like, how can you miss a swing route to a running back? That's weird. Then even in the fourth quarter, he had Allen Robinson open down the sideline, and he badly underthrew the ball. Should have probably been intercepted. He had a bad fumble that was luckily not a turnover on like a third and 13. It became, I think, fourth and 41, something ridiculous like that, where Trubisky got hit. He fumbled. It should have been a turnover. He got very lucky there. For the most part, the fourth quarter was awesome for Mitchell Trubisky. I thought his best throw of the day came when it mattered most, that final throw, the final touchdown to give the Bears the lead. It was a perfect throw over the shoulder, down the sideline to Anthony Miller. Hey, well done. Trubisky, that's perfect. That's exactly what you need. And then maybe if you want to look at it this way, you can say, well, the struggles early on for the Bears offense and for Mitchell Trubisky were because of the weird offseason. There was no preseason. Maybe guys were out of sync. They took a little while to get going. Sure, if you want to have that belief, I am all on board. I, I understand. I get it. But we also need to mention, let's talk about the fact that on a third and five with two minutes and 45 seconds left, the Lions quarterback, again, with a three-point lead, the Lions quarterback, Matthew Stafford, throws a really bad interception that gives the Bears great field position. Oh, yeah, by the way, with 11 seconds left, DeAndre Swift, the Lions rookie running back, dropped the game-winning touchdown that should have been what gave the Lions the lead and the victory. And by the way, I feel bad for DeAndre Swift. Uh, His first ever NFL game, it's not a laughing matter. He drops a touchdown. My girlfriend literally was like, ooh, that guy may need therapy for that drop. And I I just feel bad for him. That's awful. Have your first ever NFL game, you drop the game-winning touchdown. Uh, So look, the Bears should have lost the game, to be totally honest. By the way, the Lions rookie corner, Jeff Okuda, who's supposed to be Really, really good. I loved his film from college at Ohio State. He didn't play in the game. So Trubisky is a guy that I'm very, very skeptical of moving forward. I think I got good reason to not trust him and not believe in him. But I want to say, like, I I will open the door. Maybe it's going to work. You know, I I have an open mind here. He did enough for me to go, okay, let's let's give Trubisky a chance here. Because in a couple weeks, if he's doing really well, Okay, Trubisky's making progress. He looks really good. So let's give it a couple weeks, though, before we anoint Mitchell Trubisky, the great franchise quarterback the Bears have been looking for. I understand how Bears fans feel because they need, for the health of their NFL team, they need Mitchell Trubisky to pan out. And I will say, I saw we saw a glimmer of hope. We saw, it makes me happy to see a reason to believe in Trubisky. The fourth quarter comeback on paper, it's awesome, and I'd love to see it work out. I hope I'm, I, I really hope he works out. I'm curious to see if he can play the rest of the year the way he did in the fourth quarter against the Lions. But again, I'm very skeptical. I don't believe in Mitchell Trubisky, but I, I hope to goodness. I, I really, really hope that what we saw in the fourth quarter is exactly what Trubisky is. But to this point in his career, we've seen flashes of good. We've never seen it like stay consistently. So I hope it lasts. I don't know that it will, but right now 
I have a healthy skepticism of Mitchell Trubisky. We'll see where he's at in a couple of weeks. Now, the Cleveland Browns. Oh, my goodness, uh, you poor Browns fans. On Sunday, the Cleveland Browns got absolutely dominated by the Baltimore Ravens. It seemed like everything went right for the Ravens, and it felt like nothing went well or went right for Cleveland. Baker Mayfield threw a bad interception on the very first possession of the entire season for Cleveland. Later, they had a punt blocked. They also missed an extra point when they did finally get a touchdown. Oh, yeah, by the way, on a fourth down, they tried to have a fake punt that got really badly stopped. Uh, Just embarrassing, really. The Browns were bad on Sunday. They got blown out. Just a really, really not close game. And the Ravens, again, they dominated. Lamar Jackson, the Ravens quarterback, was 20 for 25 passing, 275 yards, three touchdowns. Rookie running back J.K. Dobbins also had two touchdowns. And even crazier, one of the big momentum plays for the Cleveland Browns, a moment where I was like, oh, this could be the moment that the game has a bit of a swing. The Browns had a great punt down at the one-yard line. And the Ravens just turned around and very easily drove 99 yards for a touchdown. You're like, oh, that was it. That was our shot. And nothing happened with it. So the Ravens were up 24-6 to at halftime. They had this beautiful 41-second drive right before halftime to give them that lead uh, for a touchdown. I am very, very confident in the Baltimore Ravens. They won easily by a lot of points on Sunday. And I'm concerned for the Cleveland Browns. It's too early to say to make a gigantic declaration saying, the Browns are awful and they're not going to figure it out. And Baker Mayfield, it's too early for all that. But given the history of Baker Mayfield having struggles, it's, it's very fair and it's very, I think, necessary to be concerned about the Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield, their quarterback, needs to be better. He's got the physical tools. He's just got to put it together mentally. Uh, he took an ugly sack to help where he held onto the ball too long. Uh, at one point, he lost track of time on a fourth and one. And I don't know how you do this. He just completely lost track of the play clock. He was no, had no urgency there. The play clock ran out. They got a delay a game penalty. Really, really bad look to have on fourth and one. Him and Odell Beckham Jr. just cannot connect. Um, I understand this is the Browns' first game with a new head coach. It's Baker's first game in this new offense. And so, again, I don't want to be too harsh on Cleveland. The Ravens were dominant. Uh, And I want to give it like half a season before we make a gigantic statement or we really judge the Cleveland Browns. But Sunday was not a good look. Again, no declarations here, but there's good reason to be concerned about the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I I just think that Sunday was a really, really bad look against the Ravens. I also want to say I am getting sick and tired of Odell Beckham Jr. Apparently he wants a trade. They're considering trading him away. I think do it. Uh, Not only did Odell Beckham Jr. not step up and not really make a big play against Marcus Peters, uh, the Baltimore Ravens corner, the kind of number one guy. I kept waiting. Odell Beckham Jr., when's he going to step up and make a play? And we're waiting and waiting and waiting. And the game game ended and we never saw it. And then he also had a really easy, wide-open dropped pass on a third and two where it's a drive killer. Like third and two, you're wide open underneath. You got to catch the ball. You, You just, you cannot drop that pass. If you're Odell Beckham Jr., uh, his prestige and his the hype around OBJ is very, very quickly fading away. And so I just you got to make that play. You can't be considered a great receiver in the NFL 
and not make that easy catch on a third and two when you're wide open. OBJ just gets worse and worse and worse. And I don't know if he needs to change the scenery. I don't know if it's the quarterback. I don't know what's going on. But I know that I wouldn't trade a lot for OBJ. Like you, you trade for you trade for Odell Beckham Jr. because he's a big play guy. But you worry about chemistry. You worry about his attitude. You wonder why is he dropping passes on third and two? He's just not taking care of business enough. And I just am getting sick and tired of talking about and watching and focusing on OBJ at all. Now on Thursday night football this week tomorrow, the Browns play the Bengals, and. I just want to be honest. I don't think the Browns can afford to lose to the Cincinnati Bengals. They've got all these weapons. They got a bunch of upgrades. They got a new coach. They got uh, you know a bunch of good stuff going for them. They got new offensive linemen. They got a new tight end. I just think if you're Cleveland, you cannot afford to lose to a rookie quarterback, Joe Burrow, on Thursday Night Football, a primetime game with the world watching. We'll see it. I, I think Thursday Night Football should be a good game. It's If nothing else, it's very interesting. With Joe Burrow's first primetime game, people are going to watch. Baker Mayfield is intriguing. He's in commercials. People don't believe in him. I don't know what to make of it. I know that these two teams are 0-1, but for me, I think it's must-watch television on Thursday Night Football to watch the Bengals and the Browns, and there's a really good reason right now to be concerned about the Browns. They cannot afford to lose tomorrow to Cincinnati. More water. I need more water real quick, and then we'll dive into the next topic. Uh, it's it's fun, man. We'll talk. We're gonna about to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Drew Locke and the Broncos. We'll talk about the Giants in a second. So, in my opinion, there are three games that happened in Week One that people need to be very careful with. Three losses that we should not overreact to. So number 1, and by the way, there may be more losses than these 3 that we shouldn't overreact to. I just these are the 3 that come to my mind in particular when I look at what happened and I go, take a deep breath, it's okay, let's relax and see what happens moving forward. So number 1, the Buccaneers lost to the Saints. And I, you know, my dad and I, my stepmom, they have all this thing where they say say it out loud. Uh, how does something sound when you say it out loud? Say it out loud with this game on Sunday. Tom Brady's first game with a new team after a crazy weird offseason, no preseason. Tom Brady and a new team with a new offense played the New Orleans Saints. Already a really good team, but also a group of guys that have been together for a long time. Drew Brees, the quarterback, Sean Payton, the head coach, they've been together in New Orleans since 2006. (laughs) They've been a whole career together. Then you got Mike Thomas, Alvin Kamara, guys that have been there for a long time. They've all played together for a while. And so, of course, New Orleans beat Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. Makes total sense. Tom Brady had two interceptions. The Buccaneers had three turnovers. The Saints had zero. And they only lost by 11 points. That's actually encouraging to me. You go, well, I think next time they play each other, I'd be surprised if Tom Brady, after having a season to settle in, do you really think he's going to throw two interceptions and have a game like that? I don't know that they do. And then, by the way, the Buccaneers head coach, Bruce Arians, has been insistent about, he keeps calling out Tom Brady publicly saying, we can't have interceptions, we can't have this, we can't have that. And the media, this divisive thing where people are like, Bruce Arians should not be criticizing Tom Brady. I've seen a couple headlines, haven't really clicked on them. I I just know that there's some pushback. People are like, how can Bruce Arians be criticizing Tom Brady? I love it. I I totally love what Bruce Arians is doing. Number one, 
is it motivates Tom Brady. Tom Brady sits at home and goes, I'm going to prove. He's not the kind of guy that hates the coach. He goes, he's right. When you say honest things to Tom Brady, he's not the kind of guy that gets angry at you. He goes, you're right. I got to clean it up. He does, he's healthy enough and secure enough in who he is that if you say Tom Brady's got to be better, he'll take that to heart, put his head down, and do the work to get better. He can handle criticism. Number two, though, when you publicly criticize your superstar Hall of Fame quarterback, it sends a message to the team, hey, nobody gets a pass here. Nobody can get away with nothing other than great effort. We have high expectations in Tampa Bay. We believe we should and can win a lot of games. So when you criticize Tom Brady, it's a really good message to send to the rest of the team. So I love it all. Don't overreact to the loss. Uh, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, they're going to be just fine. They lost to a team that's really, really good, who's been together for a really, really long time. I got no concerns about Tom Brady losing week one to New Orleans. Now, number two, do not overreact to the New York Giants losing on Monday night football to the Steelers. So, number one, the Steelers lost, or excuse me, the Giants lost to a better team. The Pittsburgh Steelers, first of all, their quarterback, Big Ben, looked outstanding. He was great with pressure in his face. He says his elbow is healthier than ever. I'd believe him. Uh, the defense for the Steelers looked really, really good. And I got to say, despite two turnovers, we'll talk about those two interceptions. I liked how the Giants' young quarterback, Daniel Jones, played on Sunday. Now, I guess it's Monday night. Excuse me. This weekend of week one. I liked how he played on Monday Night Football. He had two interceptions. Uh, one of them was just a crazy good play by the defense where, you know, T.J. Watt, a pass rusher, Instead of rushing the quarterback, he recognized it was quick game. So he's like, hey, Daniel Jones is throwing the ball quickly. Instead of rushing, he did his own thing. He backed off, jumped up, caught an interception. That's just a good football play. I, I, there's not really a lot you can do about that. Every once in a while, a player makes a play that's so good, you go, you shrug your shoulders and go, there's nothing you can do there. That's just a really, really good football play. Now, Daniel Jones' second interception was a problem to me. I, I don't like what happened there. Uh, the Giants put together this long 19-play drive, their best drive of the game, like third down conversion after third down conversion after third down conversion. And the Giants had the ball second down on the four-yard line. Daniel Jones is extending the play, running to the left. He gets hit as he throws. The ball goes up in the air, gets intercepted. And that's a play where Daniel Jones just needs to throw the ball away, throw it into the stands, live to see another down, and it's brutal because if you think about it, when that play happened, the Giants had the ball on the four-yard line, second down. They were losing by six points, 16 to 10. If the Giants get a touchdown there, then they would have led the game 17 to 16. And really that small mistake, that seemingly small thing, instead of throwing the ball away, you get hit as you throw the ball, goes up. That tiny mistake, all it was was a decision to not throw the ball away, to try to do a little bit too much. That one decision might have cost the entire game for the New York Giants, where it's just kind of a... I think it makes you understand how small the margin for error is in the NFL, where one small decision to not throw the ball away can cost you massively in the NFL. Other than that one small mistake by Daniel Jones, I thought he did really well. He threw the ball well. He had a beautiful long touchdown pass behind Mika Patrick, where he recognized the safety working down, took advantage, throws it deep. I just saw everything I saw from Daniel Jones... Other than that one play, I really liked. 
I think that there's a lot of promise there in New York. Uh, it's a team that's rebuilding. They lost to a better team on Monday. If you're a Giants fan, Giants fans, I love you guys so much, by the way. You're an emotional, passionate fan base. But you guys got to realize where you are. The Steelers are a lot better football team than you. And despite that, you guys actually held with them pretty well. If you score there, you lead 16, you lead 17 to 16 going in. I mean, that's a good spot to be. So I, I wouldn't be too overreactionary if you're a Giants fan. You lost to a really good team. Your quarterback looks better than I would have expected, actually, on Monday Night Football against a really, really good Steelers defense. So if you're a Giants fan, um, I would feel actually encouraged. You lost to a good team. Don't overreact to that loss. That's a pretty solid, okay loss. Now, the third game I want to talk about, do not overreact to the Denver Broncos losing to the Titans on Monday Night Football. The Broncos quarterback, Drew Locke, is in his second year in the NFL. He's in a new offense, learning Pat Shermer's offense, the new offensive coordinator in Denver. It was a weird offseason. There was no preseason games, a lot of limited stuff in the offseason, a lot of Zoom meetings, which is never good for learning. I hate, it's like trying to do, trying to do math online is impossible. Trying to learn an offense from a coach when you're doing Zoom meetings is incredibly tough. Um, you're playing against a really good Titans team. And, and by the way, to be clear, it's not that Dan, it's not that Drew Locke doesn't know the offense, but timing, you need reps. You need to do that in person. You can't get timing down on a computer. I'm sorry, but that's just ha- the reality of playing quarterback is no matter how many Zoom meetings you have, no matter how well you know the playbook, where every check is, every guy, when you're not doing it live in repetitions, when you're actually throwing to receivers, it's a little bit different. By the way, there were two receivers that were out for the Broncos on Monday. You had the best receiver, Cortland Sutton, out. You also did not have K.J. Hamler playing. Rookie stud receiver Jerry Judy, who I love, by the way, but did have a really crucial key drop on a third down that should have been caught where he just wide open dropped it, tried to turn up field a little too early. The Broncos had a couple missed opportunities. I would not jump on the Broncos for this loss. If you're a Bronco fan, relax. Take a deep breath. They played a good football team, uh, and there's good football ahead of them for Denver. Their tight end, Noah Fant, is going to have a great breakout year. He had a couple good plays on Monday. I like, I really, really like the new offensive coordinator, Pat Shermer, what he's doing with Drew Locke in this Broncos offense. They had a play I love where a couple times they did this, where they had two running backs in the backfield, Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon. And there's this one play in particular that stands out to me where they had, they sent Melvin Gordon on a swing route out wide. Then at Philip Lindsay, you run kind of an arrow route where you go out and then back inside. And the linebackers flowed way outside with Melvin Gordon, leaving Philip Lindsay wide open over the middle. I went, that's a. And then, by the way, they had another guy crossing to kind of pull, to open up the middle from the middle linebacker. Just a great play design. I don't know if I explained it very well. But my point is that everything Denver's doing is good. They're headed in a good direction. Uh, you know, the Titans had a good goal line stand where on that drive, Duloc had a guy open in the end zone and he just missed him. So Broncos fans should not panic. Denver's going to be okay. Don't overreact to their loss on Monday Night Football. They're a good football team with guys returning. And I feel very, very confident and very, very comfortable with where the Denver Broncos are as an organization. Okay, guys, I want to end today's show with a conversation with one of my favorite human beings in the world and in football, just on the planet. I love Tom Grossi. Tom Grossi is the host of the PatCast. He has a YouTube channel. Just type in Tom Grossi, T O M. G-R-O-S-S-I, Tom Gr- I don't know why I, I, don't know why I spelled that out. Uh, the audio is great, so enjoy my conversation with Tom Grassi. 
Joining me now is one of my favorite people in the world of football. Tom Grassi, how are you? I am so well. Yeah? Zach, how are you? Good. Well, first of all, happy birthday. We're, we're probably going to put you. this out tomorrow, like tomorrow morning, uh, but we're recording this on your birthday. Happy birthday. It's your 30th, I Thank believe. Thank you. Yes, it's the big 3-0. That's crazy. Yes. You don't look 30. Not that. Thank I, you. I mean, is I that something that I should I say? Like I don't I'm know. 45. 30. I, get, I get that a lot. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Working on a new moisturizer, but it hasn't uh, hasn't gotten shipped yet. Amazon's oh, been pretty slow. In, in case you don't know, I'm I'm working on a smoky death over here, where it's like, yeah, it's, oh like like I I grew up with asthma, and like I hear mm. about it out there, and I'm like I feel like I'd walk outside and just be like, I guess I'll die now, like that, like that, <laughs> that's basically how it would go. Well, dude, the the AQI, which is the air quality index, was at 524 yesterday, which is equivalent to smoking over 23 cigarettes in one day. Like it's like. What the heck? You can't, you can't go outside. And I, I live I mean, in a cool place where upstairs is like my recording area. And I, it's like yeah. smoke up here and you can't get it out. It's like, I don't think it shows up on camera, but it's just hanging around everywhere. It's awful. Good God. 23 a day? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It sounds like a crazy Tuesday if you ask me, but no, that's bad. <laughs> like, I think I survived COVID okay, but now I got to deal with smoky death. And that's another. And then the fires might get us too. So you never know, honestly. It's just uh, the apocalypse is here. <laughs> yeah that's it it is it is here and it's uh it's in your backyard and uh upstairs so i am so sorry that you have to deal with that no no let's talk about our favorite distraction at least my favorite distraction which is football uh i want to talk about aaron Rodgers because oh my goodness man i i think uh, people think i hate aaron Rodgers for some reason i don't understand people why. definitely think that you hate aaron Rodgers a hundred percent because here's the thing I, i'll tell you exactly why okay because if you criticize aaron Rodgers in the slightest mm. you hate him like that's it yeah. like that that is that's a hundred percent it and i think because for like if i say something about aaron Rodgers, like i have to do it in like a sandwich right so it's mm. just like man you know his facial hair looked really great today but his accuracy could have been better and man has he been working out like you have to give mm. him that compliment sandwich yeah. but i feel like you know coming especially coming from the outside considering how the media usually treats aaron Rodgers, i think fans respond to that usually with a lot of hostility yeah well i understand it too he's been given a lot of unfair criticism over the years as well so i, I understand the defensiveness um i want to say the last year with aaron Rodgers, i kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And if you go watch my predictions video for 2019, I was like, this is the year. Aaron Rodgers is going to win an MVP. He's got a new coach. It's going to work out. It's going to be awesome. And that game, we never got a game like yesterday or like Sunday, where mm -hmm. Sunday was the game I've been waiting for for a year and a half with Aaron Rodgers. I'm like, yes, it was awesome. Is that how you felt as a Packer fan? You know, honestly, no. Mm. And the the reason being is because, you know, heading into – these past few years, you know, I think that Packers fans from 2011 up to about, I'll, you know, I'll say 2018, with the exception of maybe 2014, it's been the Aaron Rodgers show in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Yep. Um, the the lack of defense, right? For and that's why I say 2014 because we had a pretty good defense in 2014. Uh, but you go back and like look at a 2011 where we're setting offensive records. You go back and you look at a 2016 when we're running the table. It's all Aaron Rodgers. And this is something that I brought up with Mark Murphy when I interviewed him. And I said, listen, like you look at a team like the Eagles and the Vikings that year that they were in the NFC championship game and they were both able to make it there with their backup QB. And meanwhile, when our QB goes down, we're screwed. Like we have no team. Yeah. There's no hope. It's terrible. And that's just how it was. 
And I think, you know, coming into last year, I didn't think that Rodgers was going to light the world on fire because for the first time in almost a decade, he didn't have to, Mm. in which they had the running game. You know, they had a defense that was better or at least improved. Run defense is is another story, but they had something that was improved. You know, you could go into Chicago and win 10 to 3, and that was kind of like the direction in which they were going. And I think, you know, coming into this year, I thought that it was going to be even more of that, of like, you know, hard-nosed defense, followed by a strong running game and Aaron Rodgers is allowed to be Aaron Rodgers whenever he wants Mm -hmm. to yeah and I think if anything you know what Sunday proved is one Aaron Rodgers isn't going anywhere anytime soon you know at least for another couple years or until he like he seriously regresses and two you know I'm really really convinced that Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers can turn into a Lamar Jackson and Ravens and a Patrick Mahomes and Chiefs. And what I mean by that is they can have that two-headed monster of an offense in which they can run it down your throat and you also have Aaron Rodgers who can throw for, you know, four touchdowns on you. That's where I'm, that's where I'm hoping it's going. But I can't say I'm, like, terribly surprised because I was like, okay, he's going to have, like, you know, a 32-touchdown year, you know, over 4,000 yards, and that would be fine because, again, he didn't have to be Superman anymore. Mm. Yeah, no, I watched uh, Big Ben on Monday Night Football and went, oh, yeah, Big Ben is back. And I watched Aaron Rodgers on Sunday and went, okay, well, the the decline is maybe we were wondering if it was going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. Does, it's one game. I don't want to overreact completely. Sure. But of course. Of that's, course. I mean, th- th- that game Sunday is what I've been waiting for and waiting for and waiting for from Aaron Rodgers for a long time. And it sounds like there's more to be excited about than just Aaron Rodgers. It's the defense. It's And you were right about one thing. You said that, and I, I believe they're going to lose – more games maybe this year, but be a better team because their schedule's insane. Yeah. Um, but they look better. Is that? How, would you agree with that? I 100% agree. And I think, you know, I, I was mentioning this on something. Might have mm-hmm. been my show. Might have been someone else's. Either the days all blurred together. <laughs> that I was, I was mentioning it, that this was like the first time that I was watching this offense on Sunday. I go, oh, that's not Mike McCarthy's offense. You uh... saw like... A sprinkle of it last year with mm-hmm. LaFleur coming in. And, you know, it's really hard to implement new play calls, new schemes, what have you. And and a lot of the times where they struggled or they fell behind, they regressed and they, you know, went back to or reverted back to Mike McCarthy's offense. You saw a lot of that last mm-hmm. year, especially like in like the Chargers games, the 49ers games, etc. And I think, you know, this with all the jet sweeps and the end arounds and the, the spreading of the ball, you know, how you had Josiah DeGuerra, who a lot of people were upset about that we drafted in the third round making amazing blocks taking out two defenders with one uh with one tackle like that's the kind of stuff i was like oh that's what i'm really excited for because it's something different and i'm i'm all aboard that train and like you said it's still just week one you know but looking ahead at the lions and all of their corner injuries you know you might see a similar performance week two how about valda scantling Marquez, uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling was awesome, <sighs> and I, I would say this: I watched the Browns game right before watching the Packers game. I watched. I'm like, so sorry, uh, uh, me too. But I would take Marquez Valdez Scantling over Odell Beckham Jr. today. I think he's a better receiver, and Ooh. they both had a key drop on a third down. But along with that embarrassing drop on a third down when they're wide open, Valdez Scantling got he beat people downfield. He had receptions. He was open more. I actually was way more impressed with Valdez Scantling than it was OBJ. And I know that we go, we look at the NFL like it's Madden and go, well, OBJ is better. But I don't know that that's actually sure. true right now. How excited were you about Marquez Valdez Scantling? 
I mean, this is a guy that Packer fans have been waiting to blow yeah. up since he was drafted in 2018. Because, quite honestly, he's the only speedy wide receiver we have. Mm-hmm. Like, he's the only deep threat, speedy yep. guy, you know, who's going to actually beat corners, beat safeties, and, and that's it. And what the past two years, if you look up his stats and watch him play, like, it's basically the same exact story. He usually comes on pretty strong in the beginning, and he looks really good in the middle, like, the beginning of the season. Then he starts falling off, and then he disappears in the back half of the season. Yeah. And... It was frustrating because it was just the the consistency and uh, and the narrative that kind of got created of just like he needs confidence, what have you, what have you. And Rodgers was one of the first guys to be like, listen, I have a lot of confidence in this guy. It's not a confidence issue. Mm. It's just repetition. It's blah, 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 blah. And, you know, with Marquez, it's, it's fat because he makes like those ridiculous contested catches like he, that yep. he got the touchdown on on Sunday. And then he'll like drop, you know, I think he dropped like a couple, I think two balls um, that like are, are just hit him in the hands. And like that's the kind of like thing I look at that I'm like, oh God, please, like just 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 be consistent. But that being said, um, yeah, I was very happy with the way that he played. He was obviously a difference maker. Alan Lazard played really, really well. Um, yeah, I think, you know, all the talk about the Packers getting a wide receiver. And as I said, you know, everyone everyone's I as Zach, I swear. I have at least 30 DMs between Instagram and Twitter right now asking if we should go get OBJ. And I'm like, I can't do it anymore. Like, I can't, I can't answer it you don't one want him. more time. I don't think you want him. No, I don't. I you said shouldn't. this last year I didn't want him. Because, like, at this point, one, I'm sorry, like, with what money? With what cap space are we magically going to pull out of our asses and be like, oh, there it is. Yeah. We, I, was, I forgot we, we put a few bills up there. No. And I think, you know, with this, coming in with the receiving core a lot of people give it a lot of flack including myself but i also said you look at a guy like jay sternberger you look at a guy like jamal williams aaron jones who are all passing threats and it doesn't have to come from the wide receivers you look at the san francisco 49ers right the big plays are usually not coming from their wide receivers it's coming from george kittle right and their and their ground game so i think that the packers can show that Aaron Rodgers can still throw four touchdowns and it doesn't need to be, you know, receivers that were picked in the first round, which I hate that narrative. It's so dumb. <laughs> Marquez Valdez-Scanley did a thing that I don't know if you, I don't, I don't know that a lot of people, not you, but anybody that watches football understands the significance of it. Is he beat a cover four corner down the sideline, meaning that the corner starts like 10, 12 yards off. Their whole job is do not let the receiver get behind you. It basically turns into man coverage. And Valdez Scantling runs right by him. I'm like, ha, ha. It was less about, it was bad coverage. It was also a really impressive play by Valdez Scantling running right by a corner who was started off and couldn't, he just couldn't turn around fast enough. I've never seen, I'm, I'm sure it happens. I don't see it a lot in the NFL where a receiver beats a corner who's playing cover four like that. When I saw that, I went, okay. Valdez Scantling has, I just was impressed. Like, this is a really cool move uh, and a, a good play. Um, what else, yeah. other than Aaron Rodgers, other than Marquez Valdez Scantling, what excites you? Give me some names. Who are the people? What are the things that excite you about this Packers team? Uh, I got to be honest, it really doesn't show up on the stat sheet too mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. I love Tyler Irvin. I Who is that? I don't even know that name. That 
man. I think he only carried the ball like four times on mm. Sunday. Tyler Irvin is the guy that we brought in uh, last year, late last year, because we had the worst punt return, kick return ratio in the league. Like we had negative yards, yeah. I think, like at least halfway through the season. And it was god awful. And Tyler Irvin came in, we picked him up and like he got like six yards on his first play. And we were like, this guy's our savior. Mm. Like he's he's the greatest. And he they, he made the team again. They signed him for another year. And it was rumored in camp that he was also lining up with the wide receivers. And the thing I love about him is he is so quick and provides such a change of pace compared to a guy like Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, or, you know, A.J. Dillon. And that that excites me because I think just he's a guy who you can plug anywhere and he will fight for yards and he will make plays. Mm. And he's so elusive. And I know like all the attention, and rightfully so, goes to like an Aaron Jones and like an A.J. Dillon. But yeah, I love the way that they can utilize him. I am really... You know, I'm very fortunate to be like, oh, man, we have Mercedes Lewis still on the team. The guy's not going to catch anything, but he is an amazing (laughs) blocker. And him with Josiah DeGuerra just bulldozing people as Mm. two really good blocking tight ends, I think he's going to allow us to have so many different looks. Like, I I think, honestly, for the first time in a long I am really, really excited for the play calling. Because Mm. I think that, you know, for defenses, it's going to be of like, where, where do we even go? You know, and the offensive line, considering, you know, that y- you had injuries, you had Lucas Patrick get injured, you had Lane Taylor get injured, who's now out for the season, and you had a sixth round rookie, John Runyon, come in, Jenkins, who started over in right tackle, moved back to guard, and then they put, you know, Ricky Wagner over there, and there was so much shifting go around, and they still didn't let up a single sack. Like, mm. it's, it, I'm looking at the offense of like, everyone was like, oh my God, Aaron Rodgers, four touchdowns, that's amazing. And yes, it is. But I was just looking at how that offense was functioning. And as a Packers fan who has watched for a very long time, it was a very different offense to see. And I was just like so excited about the nuance of it. Would you be surprised if Green Bay lost this weekend? Um, no. <laughs> that's just the I skeptic, wouldn't. the sad fan skeptic in you. No. So, and the reason being though, mm. is because like you look at a team like the lions, we went into the NFC championship game last year, yep. but like we literally were not leading the lions for a single second in either game. Mm. We literally won with, with a yeah. field goal with no time left on the clock. The lions play very difficult. Now, if their corners are out, then I think, you know, it's going to be feast time. Yeah. Um, but Kenny Clark is dealing with a groin injury. You know, I think that definitely hurt the pass rush uh, later in the game because in the fourth quarter, we gave up a lot of points. But Kenny Clark uh, is most likely going to be out on Sunday. Adrian Peterson, if he's going to do anything, he'll rush for 150 yards on the Packers, and that's all he'll do all season. (laughs) But, like, for the Packers, like, I just have so much PTSD from him that I'm just like, yeah, he's going to hurt us again. So Mm. I wouldn't be surprised um but i think i also wouldn't be surprised if the packers run away with it too yeah i watched the bears and lions game and i apologize uh, (laughs) (laughs) well bears fans are begging me begging me begging me to believe in mitchell trubisky i even got a message i hope it was a joke talking about how trubisky now is on a trajectory to have a better career than patrick mahomes again i hope it was a joke i'm sure it was it might not have been though bears fans are very and I get it. I understand where Bears fans are coming from because they need <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky they need to work. They, they, they need, need him to be good. Yeah. I, I, is it fair of me to look at a week one performance where I don't know if you watched the game, but, you know, he had a dropped interception. The Lions threw an interception with, with the lead 
three points. Uh, the Lions were ahead by three points. Matthew Stafford throws an interception. It gives the Bears really good field position with like two minutes left. And then the Lions drop the game-winning touchdown pass it, yep. with five seconds left. I yep. look at the Bears and they go, yeah, Trubisky had a good fourth quarter. And I could see it going either way where maybe Trubisky was really rusty and uh, he finally settled in by the fourth quarter. Or maybe mm. that's just a unique thing we're not going to see again. I think it's very fair of me to go, let's wait six games before we judge Mitchell Trubisky. Do you agree? Uh, I think I think you need to wait a few weeks. I, I definitely agree <laughs> that you need to wait a few weeks. You know, And again, but you look at it from, and again, I don't have the stats in front of me. No need. But one yep. of the things I, I did realize that like Trubisky, there weren't really any design runs for him, which mm-hmm. like, and I don't like that blows my, I'm sorry. It blows my mind. You yeah. have a terrible offensive line, first of all. And like the guy has proven that like when he improvises and when he's like doing run, like he, he's, he's pretty damn good with his feet. Yeah. Like that, that, that blows my it's mind. One of his strengths I, is running around. Yeah. It a hundred percent is. And I think that. You know, you look at, and I'm going to make, I know that they're completely different coaches and completely different scenarios. Mm-hmm. And I know it's just week one, and I'm trying not to make any grand assumptions or generalizations here. But all that being said, you look at what Bill Belichick has did week one with Cam Newton, right? Cam Newton, he made the throws that he had to make, and they looked pretty good to Cam's credit. But the guy was a monster on the ground, yep. right? Had two touchdowns, and they played to Cam Newton's strength. That was a running offense. And they played to his strengths and they designed the offense around him. They have never, and I mean ever, in Mitch Trubisky's entire tenure designed the offense around him. Because in order for Mitch Trubisky, the one really good season that he had in which they went to the wild card game, they were killing it in the rushing game. Because they had a strong rushing team behind him and so Trubisky could fall back on that. And then the past two years, they've kind of like abandoned it. Mm. So... Uh, you know, for for that, like Trubisky, I don't I don't know if he's going to be a franchise guy. I don't think he's going to. But as I as you and I sat here and talked about this last week, he's not the only problem on the team. And I don't know what David mm. Montgomery's stats were from Sunday. I don't have them in front of me. But like, if you want them to be successful, then like it starts with dedicating to the run and and taking it from there because you are 100% correct. The Lions literally had a million chances to win that football game and they didn't. And I would argue it's not necessarily cuz the Bears played really well. Mm, yep, I agree. Uh yeah, I just we'll see about Trubisky. I I I have hope though. We'll say cuz I again, another people, guy people and I do hate Trubisky. I'll be I'll actually I'm not even pretend I don't. Uh I I I don't I I don't like Trubisky. He's driven me nuts. He's infuriating to watch. He's driven me crazy for years. Him and Blake Bortles were the two guys <laughs> I couldn't stand. But I will say, for the first time in a long time with Trubisky, I have hope. Hey, maybe we, week one, maybe this is the game. He had a fourth quarter comeback. I doubt it. I'm very skeptical, but I, I hope I'm wrong. Because <laughs> it would be fun. Like it He's like be. the little I, engine that could. You can't hate the guy. You're like, please, listen. dude. I am all aboard the train that the Bears get rid of Mitch Trubisky and he goes to some team and just has an amazing career. Like, that's the thing. Like, Teddy Bridgewater, I am all aboard the Teddy Bridgewater train. Like, I hope he kills it in Carolina and freaking the Vikings suffer with Kirk Cousins Mm. in perpetuity. I am all about that. So, yeah, no, I am 100% committed to rooting for Trubisky uh, and the Bears organization just to continue to run itself into the ground because that one year that they were good, good God, they were insufferable. So, yeah, no, I'm I'm, I'm bitter. I hold on to things. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, I love you. Thank you so much for your time. Um, I'm going to let you go. Enjoy your birthday. Hang out with your wife. Uh, tell, her, tell her I said hi, and I uh, hope you have a great day, man.
You too, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Of it was course. a pleasure. Yeah, take care. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed that. That's all I have for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Hope you have a great day. Bum bum, bam. We are done. By the way, actually, before I end it, ask Zach tomorrow. We'll talk about the Raiders and the Panthers. Good stuff ahead. I'm hoping to have Brett Coleman on the show. I know he's slammed. If he doesn't come on the show, no problem. He's way behind. I get it. Uh, if you don't know, the NFL film had a problem this week, so we'll see. I think tomorrow tomorrow's episode is going to be really, really good regardless. Good stuff ahead. Hope you have a great day. But um, bum bam, we are done.